0: Amen. That girl is sharp. <laughs> her name's Anna Grace Sharp. And so I appreciate her. One of our I started to say high school students, but she's one of our college students now. Already graduated. I really appreciate her and Bobby and Sonia, her parents, and Daniel, of course, and I appreciate you today. Thank you so much for making your way to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. And so we're glad to have you. We're glad to have our contemporary service joining us now at 11 o'clock. Uh, Will Stutz has been over there leading them in their worship, and now they're joining us. Be in prayer for Alan and Rebecca. Uh, they're watching us this morning a live stream from Huntsville Hospital. You know, you can watch us live stream from anywhere around the world, and even Huntsville Hospital. They had their new baby, Maddie, and she's in I. I, I, I NICU. She's in there, all right? So they're watching us this morning. Said they'd be watching us live stream, so be in prayer for them and others as well. So thank you for coming uh, to Lindsay Lane in our series in Revelation chapter 5. So open your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 5 as we continue our study. Now, in your bulletin, there's an outline... Of uh, the day's message, you can follow along with that. And also, as you're finding your place, also in the bu- bulletin, there is a Ju- July Jubilee. And I want to draw your attention to this just for a moment. You can find it there in your Bible. Uh, the church here at Lindsay Lane is so graciously giving my wife and I a sabbatical in July. We've been here 26 years now, and God has greatly blessed us. And so well, we have a time of re- relaxing, refreshing, renewal. We'll be visiting some other churches in the month of July, getting some ideas. And my staff said amen and amen. They're always kind of hesitant when I go away for a while and visit other churches. going I to get a lot of new ideas. So anyway, thank you so much. I really do. On behalf of Pat and I, we want you to know how much we love you guys and how much we appreciate this great church. We just really do. And... Uh, and in July, you're going to have some great preaching. So you're going to have to put up with me for a while. But next Sunday, Phil Walder, one of the greatest evangelists around, is going to be here. And Bucky Kinney's an evangelist. And also Dr. Junior Hill will be here uh, coming at the end of the month. And along with Andy, John, and Alan, we're going to have a July Jubilee here at Lindsay Lane. So you want to be faithful to be present here each and every Sunday that you can and support these great speakers of God. The music's always great here at Lindsay Lane. So come and be a part of Jubilee. July Jubilee, so be praying for us, we'll be praying for you, we'll have our anniversary in July, can you believe I put up with Patty for 45 years already, we'll be celebrating our 45th anniversary on July the 20th while we're away, and we were in Africa last July, and so I plan to go back there next year, and I have a, a pastor's conference at the Macklemore Worship Center, that the church so graciously, graciously helped us with in our 25th anniversary here at Lindsay Lane. But we are very, very blessed. We really are. You know, in our Sunday school, our Connect group Sunday school class this morning, uh, David Lefford was teaching and talked about how David was so honored and blessed of God that the Lord uh, just blessed his life. And there in 2 Samuel 7, verse 18, he said that he is just blessed of God. And I feel the same way as he was saying that this morning. I was just thinking about my life here at Lindsay Lane and how humbled that I am here to be the pastor and so honored as well. And I want you to know I love you dearly. I really do. And I miss being away. I'm just telling you, I miss it. And uh, I hope you miss me, all right? All right, y'all. hope you do, hope you do, hope you do, hope you do. Anyway, all right, Revelations chapter 5. Today we're going to talk about worthy is the Lamb. Now, chapter 4 led up to chapter 5. You know, last week we saw after the church age, after Revelations 2 and 3, we're introduced to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And then John got caught up in the Spirit, chapter 4, into the very throne room of heaven. We talked about that last Sunday in detail. So John is seeing into heaven. Where we're going to be one day, he's already seeing it. He's seeing you and I around the throne. He's seeing us with the 24 elders, the four living creatures, with God himself. And Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father, He's seeing all of this in a vision that God has given Him, as He got caught up in the Spirit of God, and God allowed Him to see into heaven. So He's seeing into the throne room of heaven, and now in chapter five, He's seeing the word, the worship. And as I was just praising the Lord here and worshiping Him, I was thinking about how we're we going to be in heaven. We're going to be worshiping Him, and John got to saw not only the throne room of heaven, but He got to see all of us worshiping. The king. Amen. The lion of Judah, the root of David. We'll talk about that today. And so he got to see into heaven. What a phenomenal thing John got to saw. And so he had that glorious vision of watching worthy worship of the Lamb of God. And so that's so exciting. I just can't wait to get worse before the Lord and worship Him face to face. And so John was great, uh, greeted that vision. Now, in chapter 5, we're introduced around the throne and we're introduced to the Redeemer. You know, chapter 4 talked about God the Creator. And so uh, if you look in verse four, uh, chapter 4, look in verse 11. Look in verse 11, uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Look what it said. We just sang this. Watch this. You are worthy, O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created so in chapter 4 god introduces us to the throne room of heaven we see god the creator and now in chapter 5 we're seeing god the son the redeemer And so we're introduced to the Redeemer, the very Lamb of God. He is worthy of our praise. And so this is something we've been anticipating. It's something we look forward to. This is the reason we're saved, so we can be with the Father, we can be with the Son and the Holy Spirit in heaven forever and ever and ever. We're looking forward to that moment, and now we're seeing that moment. We're getting a chance to see into heaven and see what every Christian anticipates. And that's being with the Father forever and ever. Uh, Paul alluded to this in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. God's own possession, prized possession, which is the church, the Lamb of God. We're with Him now. John's seeing this in heaven. It's futuristic for us, but John has the vision to see the possession, the purchased possession, the bride of Christ. And this is the moment where all the creation, by the way, is groaning. These these uh, volcanoes, these earthquakes, and all of these things are happening. That's the earth groaning. The earth is like me; it's getting old, it's winding down, and so the earth is groaning too. You know why? There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. As we know it today, we won't even know it the way it is today. It's going to be burned up. I talked about it Wednesday night. You should have been here. 6.30, all right. I talked about how Peter talked about the day of the Lord. We talked about how it's going to melt away with fervent heat. It's not going to be a flood anymore. You don't have to worry about it. I kind of got concerned the other day. But there won't be a flood. It's what the rainbows for. It's going to be burned up. All of earth as we know it today is going to be burnt up. It's going to be melted away with fervent heat one day. And by the way, I hope you understand. I'm a pre-trib. I hope you are. We won't be here. Amen. We'll be raptured out. The church will be raptured out. We talked about that already. And so I'm excited about what we have as children of God to look forward to. John gives us three things in this chapter I want to allude to today. Number one, he talks about the scroll. Look with me in chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Look at the scroll he talks about. And I set in the right ha- I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, a book, written inside and on the back and it was sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel, probably Gabriel, the strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one, no one in heaven or on the earth, get this, or even under the earth, was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. And so John said, I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open it, to even read it, or even look at it. This scroll, all the anticipation that you and I have, John was looking forward to it too and seeing the scroll and all of that unleashed about eternity and how it's going to play out and nobody could open the scroll, no one. And so the the attention is focused on this seven-sealed scroll and it's in the hand of God on the throne. And so he has it there. And so in the Old Testament, if you, if you look at it, it's called a book, a codex, is it ta- referred to as well in the, in the Hebrew. And, and this is simply a scroll, uh, a, a papyrus plant, maybe written on and dried up, or maybe a parchment of an animal skin. A lot of times they wrote on that and, and they would roll it up as a scroll. Remember, uh, I saw when I went to Israel, by the way, we're going back in next May, we saw the, uh, the very writings of Isaiah, and it was in a scroll form. It scrolled and rolled up, what they used then. And again, it was, it was an, a, a parchment rolled up. It's like a Roman wheel. A Roman wheel was rolled up and sealed with seven seals, and no one could open that seal unless they had the proper authority or the proper authorization to do that. And so this scroll is simply, I believe, it's the title deed for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the title deed to planet earth. Because why? It's the promise God made to the Son because He is the heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of all things. And so this promise to the Son, if you will, by the Father is involved in this scroll as well. So it's the title deed, if you will, to planet earth. The scroll displays all that earth has and all that's involved in the earth. It's, God's the author. He's the creator of earth. So He is able to present this scroll to the very Son. And so we see that. It's the official document, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ as heir of planet earth. And now we see the redemption, God's own Son, the Redeemer, the purchased possession of, that that uh, uh, Paul talked about as you and I as the body of Christ. Why is that? Why are you and I the prized possession, if you will, the purchased possession? Paul says in Ephesians one fourteen. Here's why: because listen, we're joint heirs with Jesus, and see that's why we get to go to heaven because Jesus Christ has overcome sin. He's overcome the devil. He's overcome everything on earth, everything about that. He's risen at the right hand of the Father. And because you are in Christ, and because I am in Christ, I'm joint heirs with Jesus. And so all that Jesus has, I have access to. Amen? Isn't that awesome? That's why you need to be a Christian. It's not just to go to heaven. It's to experience everything in heaven. And be with the Lamb of God forever and ever and ever. He purchased, he purchased you. His blood purchased you. He's the purchased redeemer, if you will. And so we see that. So here's the question. Well, what's in the scroll? You know, God's got the scroll. He's got it there. Nobody. Nobody can open it up. No one. And so here's this scroll. Well, what's in this scroll? Well, the Bible gives uh, several illustrations to that. It's God's program, it's God's purpose, if you will, for the coming tribulation and the things that are going to happen on planet Earth is involved in that scroll. Now, let me give you a couple of Old Testament scriptures. You can write them down. I think they're in your outline. First, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 2. So if we study the Old Testament, then we can understand the New Testament Because there's a lot of prophecy involved in the Old Testament and these prophets, these major prophets. Now, the major prophets are Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. Those are called major prophets. Now, they wrote a lot about what's going to happen to Jesus and who prophesied who he was and even the New Testament. Then you have the minor prophets that come after those. There's several of those. Hosea, uh, Amos, and uh, Habakkuk. Some of those are called minor prophets So we're looking at a major prophet here. We're looking at Ezekiel. And by the way, I told you to read chapter 1 of Ezekiel because it gives us all this picture. We're seeing that John saw the same thing. Now, if you'll turn in Ezekiel chapter 2, it gets better and better. Now look in verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10, Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel prophesied hundreds of years even before John. Now, when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. He's looking at this same scroll. Then he spread it out before me. And there was writing on the inside and on the outside. And written on it were what? Same thing that John saw. John said, I saw writings on the inside. I saw writings on the outside. But John doesn't give us a picture yet. He will in chapter 6 through 19. Amen. So so Ezekiel is already seeing this. And he said, here's what's in the scroll. Look at verse number 10. Lamentations, mournings, and woes. All the tribulation, all the horrific things that are going to happen on planet Earth as told in Revelation 6 through 19 is about to be revealed in this scroll. That's why no one, absolutely no one, could open the scroll until we'll see later on in verse number 5. Now watch this. Turn also, if you will, to Daniel chapter 12. Here's another major prophet. Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. All of these are major prophets. Look what Daniel said. And we're going to get into Daniel as we get into Revelations further on. We'll be looking at Daniel a lot. All right? Now look in Daniel chapter 12, if you will, and look in verse 4. Daniel chapter 12, and look at verse number 4. Look what God spoke to Daniel and what he said to Daniel. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. So he's giving him insight to the very scroll. He said, I want you to shut it up. I've been speaking to you about prophecy and what's going to happen in future days. I want you to seal it up. Put it in a scroll. Put it in a book. Look what he says. Seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and don't, don't miss this, and knowledge shall increase. You think we got a lot of knowledge in our day? We've got so much technology, so much knowledge, it's killing us. Almost. It's, it's really, it's just so much stuff I could say about that. But I won't. All right. Now look over, if you will, in verse, also in Daniel. Look in verse 9. Daniel chapter 12, verse 9. Watch this. And he said, Go your way, Daniel. I've shown, you, I've shown you all. I'm going to show you right now, but go your way. Look what he said. For the words are closed up, and they're sealed till the time of the end. Okay, Daniel, I showed you a lot of what's going to happen in futuristic events, but that's enough. I want you to seal it up. Seal it up until the time of the end Now, John is showing us the time of the end, the very scroll. John's showing us what these seven, this scroll and the seven seals have got it sealed up. He's going to reveal to us exactly what it is. In chapter 6 through 19, we're going to see all of it. It's going to be revealed. And so, uh, but no one can open the scroll. Now, let's think about that just for a moment. I really thought about that, and I thought about, well, let's just see. Who can open the scroll, you think? Well, what about Adam? I mean, he's the first man. Surely he can open it. No, he can't open it. Adam can't open it. Well, uh, oh, what about uh, Cain, his son? No, he can't open it either. Noah? Man, Noah. What about Noah? Mm-mm. Well, you would think Abraham, the father of our nation, if you will, the Israelite, the father Abraham, surely father Abraham, father of all the Hebrews. Mm-mm. He can't open it. He's not worthy. He's not even worthy. You think about what about his son Isaac? What a, but what about his? What about Isaac's son Jacob, who's later called Israel, who God gave the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob? Surely Jacob would be the one to open the seal. I mean, his name is Israel. He has the 12 tribes. Mm-mm. Not even Jacob. Jacob can't open it. He can't. What about his son Joseph, tribe of Judah? Mm-mm. What about Enoch and Elijah? These two were raptured up. They didn't even have death. Mm-mm, they can't open it. If anybody could open it, I would think David. Wouldn't you, I would think David would be worthy to open it. I mean, this is a man of God's own heart. He's the one that really, really God used in a mighty way. Mm-mm. Well, you say, well, what about Moses? I mean, he's a lawgiver. Moses can open it. Mm-mm. Moses up there. They're all up there. They're all up there. Not even Moses, not even David can open it. Not even his son Solomon. You say, well, what about Peter, James, and John? They was on the Mount of Transfiguration. They got to see some stuff. Surely they can open it. They're the great apostle. Mm-mm. They can't open it. What about Paul? Wrote most of the New Testament. Can he be, he's going to be there. He, can he open it? Mm-mm. Can't open it. Paul can't open it. Surely one of the angels, Gabriel or Michael, one of them can open it. Surely. No one, listen to me, absolutely no one can open this scroll, but only one. Only one can open it. And so you see why John's weeping? I mean, nobody's there. He's thinking, David, David, Noah, Moses, Jacob, somebody come up here and get this scroll. I got this vision, I want to know what's in it. And nobody could open it. And God just got it hanging out there. Nobody can open it. And so John begins to weep much. He's just weeping because he's up there. And you think about it. And I thought about this. There's no tears in heaven. I don't understand all of that. But he's weeping. Because he's still caught up in the spirit. He's, not, he's in the spirit of God. And so he's weeping. And no one can open it. W.A. Criswell uh, had a word About this, and I won't try to read all of this, but his tears, he said, John's tears represent the tears of all people through all centuries. He represents our tears, everybody's tears, say, hey, one day we're gonna be in heaven. One day, hey, my loved one, you're gonna be in heaven, but right now we're weeping. And then jump down, he says the trials and tribulations of life and heartaches and disappointments. Jump down the next page. Look at this. Such is the curse that sin has laid on God's beautiful creation, W.A. Crystal says. The damnation at the hand of Satan, the intruder, the alien, the dragon, that serpent, that devil. And so John wept for the failure to find a redeemer because it meant that this earth and its curse are consigned. Look at this. Here's why he was weeping. That this earth are consigned forever to death. There's just no hope. You see, no hope. We're we're in a pitiful place. We're here in the sinful earth. Who's going to open the scroll? It meant that death and sin and damnation and hell should reign forever and ever and that the sovereignty of God's earth should remain forever in the hand of Satan. There's no wonder he wept. There's no wonder John is weeping. There seems to be no, no hope. The devil has a clutch on planet earth who's going to deliver us from this dreadful place in the damnation that's on planet earth I like what John MacArthur said it's in your outline, watch this, John MacArthur said this about John weeping John is weeping because he wanted to see the world changed he wanted to see the world rid of evil and sin, he wanted to see the kingdom of God come He wanted to see guilt and shame and and, and sin done away with. He wanted to see Satan bound. He wanted to see Israel saved. He wanted to see Christ exalted. He wanted all of those things that had been promised. But no one came forward. And so he wept. He wept. He wept as we do because of what's going on. All of the things. It's a sad picture. But wait. 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 Look with me, if you will, in verse number 5. Look in verse number 5. What Ezekiel couldn't know and even Daniel couldn't know all about, we're going to know. And John's getting to see it. Now watch verse number 5. Watch this. Revelations 5, chapter 5, verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Quit weeping, John. Quit crying, man. Don't be weeping. Behold, look. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the rod of David, has prevailed. He's overcome sin and shame and all that stuff you're worried about. He's overcome all of that. And he's able to open the scroll and to loose the seven seals. And I look and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures. And in the midst of the elders, the 24 elders, stood a lamb... As though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, and are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came, this lion, this lamb of Judah, he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of God who sat on the throne. Wow. There was only one, there's only one who's worthy. To open the scroll. And the same one who's worthy to open the scroll. Is the same one who's worthy to open your heart. That's the one that needs to open your heart. It's not your wife who's going to open it. It's not your husband. It's not even your children. It's not grandma or grandpa going to open it. There's only one person. Who can open your heart. To the love of God that you need sir. And you need ma'am. His name is Jesus. And if you haven't opened your heart, give him praise. Amen? If you haven't opened his heart, praise the Lord. We're here to praise God. And if you haven't opened your heart to him, I'm telling you, you should be weeping. Because you're going to experience what John didn't think he was going to see. You're going to experience that apart from Christ. Please hear this preacher. That's why John was weeping. Seeing all this tribulation that's coming ahead and Now, Christ steps forth. He's overcome. He's the Redeemer. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the Root of David. He's the one worthy to open the scroll. And so He does. And so He does. It must have been what Luke was thinking in Luke 21, verse 28. Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Oh, our redemption is drawing nigh to us. I believe it's from times winding down. And John looked at the scroll. Let me give you number two, the Lamb. Now John begins to introduce us to the Lamb. In verses 5 through 7, I just read those. Now look what he refers to, the Lamb he's speaking of. Look at the, t- the, the titles he gives them. He gives the Lord Jesus. He said, Behold, first of all, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. We talked about this in our Connect group this morning. You see, we talked about the, 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 the David's covenant with God, that God would, would, through his lineage, through the root of David. Matter of fact, it goes all the way back to Abraham. God promised Abraham he'd be a father of a great nation. And so through Jacob, and through Jacob's son Judah, who was the tribe of Judah, where David came from the tribe of Judah, where Jesus came. Through the tribe of Judas. All of this stuff is played out. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 1. The genealogy of the lineage of Jesus. All of it is playing out now. It's all coming clear. As God unfolds the mystery of prophecy. And he does that right here even in chapter 5. And so we see the lamb. Or the lion if you will. The lion of Judah. And the root of David. So these are the titles. And matter of fact in Genesis 49 verses 8 through 10. Prophetically, Jacob, he gives the scepter of the kingship to one of his sons who is Joseph. And so the tribe of the kings, Levi was a tribe of the the priests, but Judah was a tribe of the kings. And so the kingship of Christ comes through Judah. That's why he's called the Lion of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, because of the lineage. All the way from Abraham, all the way down. It's playing out. Son of David, if you will. And we're going to talk about that. I want you to hear this. I really do. The image of the lion speaks of dignity. It speaks of sovereignty. It speaks of courage. The lion represents power and the re- victory and also king. Who's the king of the forest? The lion is. And so lion represents the king. And all, here's the truth in your outline. All Israel expected a ferocious lion but they received a sacrificial lamb. Can you imagine all the Israelites? They were expecting from the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David even. And Jesus in the Scripture is often referred to what? The son of David. He's referred to oftentimes in the Scripture as the son of David. And that's why he comes from Judah, the tribe of of, uh, Judah. And that's where Jesus' lineage is well in Matthew chapter 1. You can read about that as well. So he's referred to also as the son of David. Now, look with me in Isaiah. See, here again, we go back to the prophets. Look in Isaiah chapter 11. About in the middle of your Bible, close to it. That's the way I find it. And look in Isaiah chapter 11. Don't miss this. I'm telling you, it's unfolding before our eyes. One of the reasons we want to hear about revelation is prophecy being un, unrevealed. Now look in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Watch this. Watch it. There shall come forth. See, he's prophesying, Isaiah here. Is, there shall come forth a rod or a shoot from the stem of Jesse. Now who is Jesse. That's David's father. That's David's father. Remember that? And a branch, this is Jesus, by the way. Give you an insight. The capital B in my Bible. The branch. The branch shall grow out of his, David's, Jesse's roots. Now watch it. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. I'm going to talk to you in a moment about the seven eyes, the seven horns, and the seven spirits. Here's where the seven spirits come into play. Watch it. Verse 2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge. And the spirit of fear of the Lord. That's the seven spirits if you will. It's speaking of in Revelations. It's one of the the things of the the Lamb. We're going to talk about. And now look over in verse number 9. Isaiah 11 verse 9. Watch this. Isaiah says. And in that day. There shall be a root of jesse or david who shall stand as a banner to the people speaking of jesus for the gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious amen and so all of this prophecy the lion from the tribe of judah And the root of David, the two titles that John gives to him here in chapter uh, 5, verse 6 there, verse 5, these are uh, implicating the Lord Jesus Christ. They're referring to Jesus. Now, let me say this about that. What's the point here? Well, think about it from an Israelite's perspective. All you've heard about is King David. You've seen him. you watched him reign. Now, he's referred to for the tribe of judah and now we jesus had been prophesied if you're a hebrew you've been reading scripture you've been hearing all these prophecies from isaiah and others about this coming messiah who is going to be from the tribe of judah so he's coming from the lineage of david he's also referred to as the son of david so here's jesus on the scene here he is he's coming into jerusalem oh hosanna hosanna King. He's our king. He's the son of David. He's finally here. The lion. But he didn't come as a lion. He came as a lamb. They're confused. This is the lion? He's riding a donkey? He's the son of the carpenter, Joseph. You mean this is the lion of Judah? Jesus, you called him? Blasphemer. He cannot be the son of David. He cannot be from the tribe of Judah. This isn't a king. Look at him. But they were reverencing him. Hosanna, Hosanna all week. Palm Sunday. Till the end of the week. He wasn't what they expected. And so they said crucify him. Crucify. Crucify. He's not a lion. He's a lamb. He's weak. They didn't understand him. And by the way, neither do we. There's so many millions of people today that don't understand who Jesus is. Many of you probably don't even understand who he really is. He is a lion. He is a conqueror like David. He is victorious like David. He is a king. As he said, like David, he's from the root of David. And by the way, he is a lion from the tribe of Judah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My Savior is the lion. He is. He's victorious. He's overcome. But most people don't understand him. They They didn't understand him. That's why he came as a suffering servant. But listen, he's not coming back that way. Amen and amen. Look in your truth here. All of Israel expected a ferocious lion, but he was a lamb. And we talked about it. He's a conquering king and all of those things. And so uh, he is a lion. Let me give you something in your outline here. I want you to watch verse number 6. He is, all the four elders, look at this. And they, they came around him, the lion, as though he had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are full of seven spirits of God. Now what is he referring to here? I want you to watch this. He is the Lamb of God. Several times in the book, by the way, 28 times in Revelation, Jesus is referred to not as a lion, but as a lamb. 28 times He's referred to as a lamb. Why is that? Because He's the the sacrificial Lamb of God. He's the one that was slain for your sin. That's why He's our Redeemer. That's why He's called the Lamb of God. That's why John said in John one twenty nine, Behold, here comes the Lamb of God. He didn't say here comes the Lion of Judah. John the Baptist knew it. He said here is the Lamb of God who came to take away our sin. And that's why He's the Lamb of God. That's why He sacrificed His life. He was a lion. He is a king. He is victorious, but He became a lamb for you and I so He could die for our sin. And that's why it's mentioned. Here's a truth in your outline. I want to get to this one. The theme of the Lamb is important throughout Scripture for it represents the person and the work of Jesus as our Redeemer. He's our Redeemer. And these symbolisms here, I want to draw your attention to these three symbolisms here. the, The seven horns and the seven eyes and the seven uh, spirits, What does this mean? Now, as we go through Revelation, you've got to understand something. There's a lot of symbols used. And I'll try to explain that as we get further into it. But they use symbols because it's like Morse code. It's like when the prisoners in Vietnam, they would use Morse code to tap on the walls. So the enemy. And so they had all these people around them. They were persecuted by the Romans and all of that. So they used symbols. They wrote with symbolisms. It referred to something. But they use symbolisms here, and John does that in in the book of Revelation. Now, watch what he says here. Three things he uses here. Number one, he talks about perfect power, which is the seven horns. The Lamb of God is described with perfect power, seven horns, which represents Jesus' omnipotence. Our Lord Jesus, I'm going to give you these three O's. You know them, but write them down. Number one, Jesus is omnipotent. He's all Powerful, And the word horn means strength. When you see the word horn in the Bible, it refers to strength, how strong Jesus was. He had seven horns. In other words, he's got perfect power. He's, um, he's um, uh, omniscient as well. But he, he's, uh, uh, look at number two. He also has perfect wisdom, which represents the seven eyes. He sees everything. He's omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. The seven eyes, he looks all around. I told you last week, he reads your mail, he reads your text. He reads everything. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent, but he's also om- omniscient. omniscient. He has seven eyes, which represents his total perfect wisdom. All of these seven means perfect. That's why it's seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits. It's perfect. And that's why Jesus has perfect power. He has perfect wisdom. And number three, he has perfect presence. Seven spirits. And I just talked to you about that in Isaiah. He has seven spirits which represents his spirit is perfect. Spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, the Holy Spirit, if you will, which is his omnipresence. And see, that's the third attribute of Jesus. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. Amen? Amen. He is perfect Lamb of God. And so we need to understand that. Now watch verse 7. He came and took the scroll out of the right hand of God, of Him who sat on the throne. Now again, why was Jesus worthy? Why was He the only one that could take the scroll? It's because He's the overcomer. Do you remember in chapter 2 and 3 when Jesus addressed the seven churches and John gave us insight to all seven churches? Did you know at every church... It says something like this, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, and it referred to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the reason he's the one that's worthy to take the scroll is he is the one that's overcome the earth. He's overcome sin. By the way, he's overcome death. That's why we can smile today. That's why we have victory. That's why, like John, we don't have to weep. Because he's overcome death in the grave he's the overcomer and get this because he is overcome and you have him in your heart you are overcomers Amen. and that's the reason my friends I don't fear death as a Christian Do you know what death a Christian doesn't have to fear death oh, we weep over our loved ones and we should that's that's humanity and all of that and we don't know when it's coming that's anxiety there's concern about how it's going to happen. I understand that. I get that. I'm the same way. I'm concerned how it's going to happen. That's why I go get a checkup all the time. And, you know, I don't want to have a heart attack. But I know where I'm going to go. I don't fear that. But I just don't want it to happen today. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I'm not catching the first bus. But anyway, I'm going. And so... I have concern and things like that, and that's the part of us—that's our humanity. But listen, you don't have to sit around wringing your hands all the time and just praying, "Whoa, whoa, always me." You're going to spend eternity in a glorified body, in a new home, a new place, forever and ever and ever. Amen and amen. Amen. And that's why we—that's why we preach, and that's why we're so passionate about this because we—we we win. We're overcomers. Because we know the overcomer. And that's why John knew it. And John reveals that to us. He's a great overcomer. You see, my friends, we don't worship the babe in a manger, we don't worship a corpse on a cross. We worship a living Savior who has risen, overcoming death in the grave. And in him, and because of him, as the lion of Judah has the root of David, the prophesied Messiah as rose at the right hand of the father he takes the scroll he's going to unleash all the tribulation before that he's raptured us up into heaven and john's given a picture in chapter 4 and 5 of all of you and all of me who are christians gathered around the throne worshiping the messiah which brings me to number 3 the worship we saw the scroll we saw the lamb who took the scroll And now, number three, we're going to see the worship. Look in verse 8 through 10. Now, when he had taken the scroll, what happened when he took the scroll? John was weeping. But he said, oh, hey, 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 hey. Look, 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 look. The Lion of Judah. The Root of David. So what happened then? Guess what happened? Instant, spontaneous. The four living creatures and the 24 elders and all of heaven fell down. And began to worship the Messiah. Look in verse 8 through 10. Watch this. Now when he had taken the scroll. The four living creatures. The 24 elders. Fell down before the lamb. Each having a heart. By the way there's going to be musical instruments in heaven. Can I get a witness? Each having a heart. And golden bowls full of incense. What's the incense? It's the prayers of the saints. Who've been offered up for us even. The prayers of the saints. The incense, full of incense, which are, the, by the way, I could go into that. The priest, when he went into the temple, there was, a, there was a, a, a basin bowl there of incense. He would take it and do it like this, and the smoke would fill the temple. It represents the spirit of the prayers of the people. Amen and amen. Now watch it. I want you to see this. This is just awesome. Watch verse number 8. And they fell down before the lamb, each having a heart. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Listen very carefully. It wasn't contemporary. It wasn't traditional. It wasn't blended. It wasn't southern gospel. It's a new song. You're going to like it and you're going to learn it. Can I get a witness? Amen? Amen. It's a new song. By the way, why is it new? Because everybody is going to like it, a miracle from God. Amen. <laughs> everybody's going to like what we sing in heaven. It's a new song. And by the way, everybody's singing. You who don't sing now, you will learn to sing in heaven. All right? And so we're going to sing together. What are we going to be singing? Just as I am? without one plea. The invitation's over. <laughs> the invitation's over. We're there. You should have listened to Just As I Am without one plea and made your decision for Christ. And if you did, you're going to be singing this song. Look in verse number 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and to lift open its seals, you who were slain. And here's the key to the whole revelation. And have redeemed us to God by your blood. Of every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. That gets us all. Amen. And we have, you have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. We shall reign on the earth. What does that mean? He's talking about the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign, where you and I will be, we're going to be wrapped up, have our new bodies, clothed in white. We're going to be praising the Lord around the throne. Then he's going to say, all right, let's go back there. We're going to set up the new Jerusalem, and we're going to set up the new millennial kingdom, and you're going to be leading worship. Wayne, you may be one of the worship leaders there. We don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Amen. We're all going to be worshiping. And and this millennial kingdom, and that's exactly what he's talking about. It's just so awesome when you really think about it. These prayers of the saints. Listen to Psalms one forty one verse two. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands. Just though I throw that throw it in because it's scriptural. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice, and they sang that new song. You are worthy, praise the Lamb. Now look in verse eleven through thirteen. And I close. Watch this. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels. Going to be a lot of angels in heaven around the throne, and four living creatures, and the elders, twenty-four elders, and the number of them. How many people is going to be in heaven? Well, it says 10,000 times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. By the way, Hewlett Packard and even Google can't even count them all. <laughs> Amen? It's infinite. You, we don't even know how many. Billions of people are going to be in heaven, there's going to be a lot in hell as well. Talk about that in chapter 6 through 19. And here's what they were saying. All this host of people, the angels leading with their, with their, with their trumpets and uh, their harps, rather, uh, they're, they're leading us in worship. It's just beautiful worship. A new song about the Redeemer, the blood of Christ. We're giving glory to the Lamb. And then look in verse number 12. We won't miss it. Watch this. By the way, we sang that this morning. Do you realize that? Do you realize what you're singing? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and the strength and the honor and the glory and the blessing. That's the song we're going to be singing. And I'm telling you, it's awesome. Come on, Dwayne. It's going to be awesome. i asked Dwayne just to really help us with this because I really want you to understand it. I really do. Now, when you get to heaven... We're going to be singing a new song, but we're going to be singing something about how He is worthy. You are worthy. In chapter chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Holy, 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 you are worthy. And right here we just read in verse 12. You are worthy of our praise, of our adoration, and of our worship. And I just want to encourage you with this. I really do. Don't be afraid to worship. By the way, if you're worshiping for others, you're worshiping for the wrong reason. If you're a fear of others, what others think, wrong reason. It's between you and God. And you do that wherever you feel led of God, you worship God. Because when you get to heaven, he's going to be the only one. Did you hear me? The only one that's going to really matter. And your life and your eternity is dependent upon what you do with Jesus. So I want to encourage you to start worshiping him and give him praise from your heart and from your lips. Dwayne.
1: Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love Lord. Thank you for the name Washed me in your cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. crucify so
0: Bible says in verse 13, listen to verse 13. Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in heaven, I heard saying, Blessed in honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and in the Lamb forever and ever and ever. Amen. We're going to worship him. We're going to give Him glory. We're going to give Him praise. He is worthy of our praise and of our worship. And I want to just remind you of something It's in Scripture. I want you to watch verse 14. Don't miss this. Look at verse 14. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. By the way, do you know that Scripture? Some of you are being disobedient to Scripture. I'm just kidding. The four living creatures. Amen. Amen. Praise you. Glorify the King. Amen. And amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped Him who lives forever and ever and ever. And we're going to be in that chorus. We're going to be in that choir. Amen. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray and as I Extend an invitation to you to be saved. That's what this is about. Maybe to join our church or maybe to come and pray. You heard me say this over and over and over. But I really want you to think about what I preached on today about going to heaven. What heaven's going to be like. What it's going to look like. And then you've got to ask yourself, am I going to be there? Well, I hope I am. That's not going to cut it. You can't go to heaven on hope so, maybe so. You've got to go on no so. I know I'm going. I'm a believer in Christ. I'm not perfect by no means, but I know I know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you ought to know Him today. Right now. Today. So I'm going to ask you to do something that I've been asking for 26 years. If you're not a Christian and you don't know you're going to heaven, I'm going to ask you to come and let us help you with that. We really do. We just need to come down here right now. Maybe just come and... One of our people is going to help you with that. It's going to talk to you about it, how you can know, you can know, you can know you belong to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do that. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take letting go of some pride. And don't be afraid. Let Jesus help you. I found this out. The first step I took, the rest of it, Jesus bled me all the way. I just had to get up and make that first stand. When I did, Christ took over my heart and my life. I'm going to ask you to do that, sir, ma'am, young person if you never met jesus you don't know you're going to heaven you don't even know if you're going if you really know christ you need to be certain of that today and you can know that you're going you can know that you belong to him i ask you to do that as we stand and sing in a moment and also maybe you're here today and you know you're a christian but you know there's something that's going on in your life maybe some unconfessed sin in your life and You've never dealt with it, never really got it right with God. Maybe you want to come to this altar and just pray about that. Maybe you've got loved ones on your heart you want to pray for. You know, you come to the altar for many reasons. And so this is a time of prayer. I want to ask you to do that if you feel led to do that. And then if you're looking for a church family, we'd love to have you here at Lindsay Lane. Just come on down and say, I want to be a part of this church and we'll help you with the rest. If you'll do that. If you'll listen to Christ, don't do it because I'm saying it. You just do it because Jesus is moving on your heart. And you know he's speaking to you. And by the way, you will know it. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak, O Lord. Speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Dwayne's going to lead us. going to ask you to come. Right now, will you come?